Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. And Shalom. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard, and this is the House of Ephraim show with Cradle of Hope on Tuesday, January the 23rd, 2024. Wow, January is about over. Can you imagine that? Yes. Well, today is Teacher's Tuesday, but first, a word from our announcer. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Welcome back. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard, and we have an awesome show for you today. Uh, first of all, I want to remind all of you, we had a terrific quarterly. And if you missed that quarterly, I'm telling you, you need to make it a faith project for you to make it to quarterly. Because as I have said repeatedly, and as Prophet Deckard even said, those who are serious about growing up spiritually, they are the ones who are showing up at quarterly, and they are the ones that you can actually begin to see their spiritual growth. Now, I'm not saying you can't grow at home, because you can. But I'm telling you that it's going to be a slower and more ardent process, and it's slow and ardent as it is. But God will reward you for your efforts. And you know why it's important for you to show up? Because when you get underneath that anointing, when you are there present with the anointing of God, that anointing does things in your life. You can't get it online over the YouTube. That anointing works in your life in areas that you probably don't even realize you need worked on. And I can personally attest to that. And I would encourage you 
I would deplore you to make every possible effort to come to quarterly. To come to quarterly. Our next quarterly is April 5th, 6th, and 7th. And it will be awesome. We have available online our Friday night fellowship with Prophet Mark Reinbold, and we have available on Wednesday evenings and with myself. Both of these are available on our YouTube channel, and we would, we would encourage you to listen to them. We have, of course, this blog talk radio station five days a week as well. Well, we are going to continue on with purpose, of temptation, and actually this is called temptation. This is what I did That's a, that is available, but it's based on prophet sermons of the purpose of temptation. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is as common to man. And I have repeatedly said, whatever it is you're going through, it's not anything unusual for, for man to go through. It's nothing unusual. It says so right here. It's common. But God is faithful. Say, God is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Some of you say, Sister Donna, there's some things that's going on in my life. I don't think I can bear it. Well, quit thinking about it and turn it over to God. Quit thinking about it. God's word is either a truth or is a lie. God's word is either truth or it's a lie. And you have to make up your mind what you believe. And if you continue to believe that what you are going through you can't handle, if you continue to believe that God's word is not truth, where does that put you? Where does that place you? Where does that leave you? That leaves you coming up short. Because God demands that we believe in him. The disciple says, what should we do? And he said, believe in him. Believe in the Father. That's what you should do. You should believe God. Well, how are you going to know what God is? Well, it's very simple. God is the creator of all things. And he gave us, he privileged us to be able to have his word available to you and I. Do you understand that even in the New Testament times, they only had God's word on scrolls in the synagogues? It's only been in the, in the last few centuries that we have had available God's word 
in our hands. I can remember growing up, there was only maybe one or two Bibles in our whole household. Now, you can have available uh, a Bible in multiple, in multiple versions of the Bible. And if you don't have a physical Bible, you have on your phone the ability to get an app that has multiple versions of the Bible on it. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your app, phone app. You can do it on, you can do it on your iPad, your iPod. It's available to us. God's word is available to you and I. And we have a choice. We are already going to believe it or we're not. And I can tell you right now, if you refuse to believe his word, you're going to come up short. God's, God demands us to believe by faith. And his word right here said that you can bear it. Say, I can bear this and rattle off the problem you're going through. I can bear this. Your mind says I can't, but you have to understand God's word says you can. He will make a way for you to escape. Now, I can remember whenever whenever I first began to understand how to believe by faith God's word. I did what every one of you done, and I did what everyone in the past has done. I picked the biggest problem that I had in my life and started believing God for it, and nothing happened. It didn't get fixed as soon as I prayed. I opened my eyes, and it was still there. God demands us to grow. He demands us to grow. Do you understand? Growth is slow and ardent. You start out with the little things. You start out with the small things. You start out with the easy things to believe God for. And you gradually, you gradually keep building and building and building and building. And eventually, eventually, the big things will come to pass. Oh, every once in a while, every once in a while a miracle will happen and a big thing will will be solved for you, a miracle of God. But God demands that we grow and he understands that if if he gave us all the big things in our life, we would not learn anything. God wants us to learn. You see, if God, if God gave you the finances that you think you need to, to, to be able to make ends meet, you would end up, you would end up in, a, in a financial mess bigger than the mess you're in now. Why? Because you don't know how to handle your money and your finances. And God demands that we learn how to handle what he has given us. He demands it of God gives a promise. It's linked to a principle or a condition. 
followed by a problem, a temptation, which is in the wilderness leading to that provision. Temptation is not real unless there's the real possibility of failure. Temptation is not real unless there's a real possibility of failure. Do you understand that? The reason you are going through what you're going through, there is a possibility of failure. There's a possibility of failure. And you are going to have to learn to go through that and, and, and pass, not fail. See, God has a pass-fail grading scale. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Chapter 2. Christ was tempted. Christ was tempted with the real possibility of failure. Luke 2, verse 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. The child grew and waxed strong in spirit. He just didn't get zappolied with all this information. He had to grow and get strong in the spirit. And he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem, and after the custom of the feast, and when they had fulfilled the days, they returned. And the child Yeshua did tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew it not. Now, I know I've heard preachers say, well, what kind of parents were they? Well, you see, this was, this was a, a, a national event, okay? And, and that whole clan, that whole family traveled together. And they probably, they probably figured, hey, he, he's with Aunt Susie or Uncle George or whoever. And they, they didn't know he wasn't with them. And when they supposing he'd been in the company, when a day's journey, they saw him around the kinfolk and the acquaintances. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. So we've already had a whole day. It came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. These were doctors of theology. These were men who were educated in the scriptures, had studied the scriptures, and he, a 12-year-old boy, is having conversation with them. Now, I remember when I was, when I was in uh, high school. I can remember I, I would go to church camp, and I loved, I loved to volunteer for KP duty because after after the lunch, the preachers would all come into the cafeteria and they would just sit and relax and talk. And I would be sitting there mopping the floor, cleaning the tables. And when I would get done, I'd sit down and I would listen to them. But now, believe me, I wasn't answering questions and I wasn't asking questions. I was just listening. But I loved to sit and listen to the knowledge that these men of God had. 
was drawn to it. Yeshua was drawn to it. But there was something different about Yeshua. Remember back there in verse 40? He grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. It came to pass after three days they found him in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Yeshua had grown in wisdom to the point that it astonished the theologians of the day. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I saw thee sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Now let me tell you something. Yeshua, Yeshua looked at her and said, What do you mean you were seeking me? Didn't you not know I had to be about my father's business? He's like, this is, this is what I'm here for. He's been biting his the best to get to go to Jerusalem and talk to the theologians. And he said to them, I'll be, oh, I read that, verse 50. And they understood not the saying which he spake. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. Even though he had all this wisdom that he could astonish the theologians, he submitted to his mom and dad. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And look at verse 52. And Yeshua increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So Yeshua was well knowledgeable about the scriptures. He had understanding of them. Now I want you to look in verse chapter 4, verse 1. And Yeshua, being filled with the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterwards hungered. And the devil said to him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now remember, a temptation is not a temptation unless there's a real possibility of failure. We just read that he hadn't ate for 40 days. He was hungry. And the devil's saying, hey, you're up here in the wilderness. There's no fresh, hot, piping bread coming out of an oven. You can turn that stone into bread. And Yeshua answered him, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, let me tell you something. 
if that 12-year-old boy hadn't been learning and growing and, and, and studying, he, this, this grown man could not have quoted that scripture. Oh, but he was the son of God. But he had a temptation that was, it says it was a temptation, so there was an opportunity to fail. Had he not done his homework, he would have been failing this temptation. The devil taking him up to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, they were in the Roman kingdom at that time. But the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world, including the kingdoms that are going on right now. The United States, the UK, the the. Iran, the Israel, the Russia, China. Showed them all to him in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this power will I give to thee in the glory of them. For that is delivered to me to whomsoever I will give it. For thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. See, the devil was sent down here and said, you want to rule something, you just rule the earth. That's the reason why we're in a battle. That's why we're in a battle. We're in a battle between light and darkness. Yeshua, Yeshua was presented. The devil said, I'll give you all of this if you just worship me. You just worship me, darkness darkness. Yeshua answered him and said, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou serve. How many people have turned to Satan, to darkness? They're going to burn in hell. And he brought him to Jerusalem and he set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. The devil's like, Hey, the Bible says God will take care of his own. That doesn't mean we have to live a reckless life. I heard someone say one time, they said, you know, God will take care of me. I can go out here and and back back when I was a teenager, Evil Knievel was was, uh, popular. And and he was taking his motorcycle and he was jumping across different things. And I think he did a jump across part of the Grand Canyon and, and over cars and stuff. And, and and this kid, he was like, "Hey, God will take care of me. I can I can I can do these things, and and I won't die." And the devil was saying, "Hey, Yeshua, 
Son of God, the angels will catch you and you won't be hurt. And in their hands, they'll bear thee up, lest any time you dash your foot against the stone. And Yeshua answered him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. When the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Yeshua gave us, he gave us the key to overcoming temptation. He gave us the key. But I want you to notice it says the devil departed from him only for a season. He's got old smooth foot. He don't just, well, oh, well, I, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he keeps trying. 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 The way he is. He keeps trying. But Yeshua gave us a key here. We are to overcome temptation with the word of God. That's how we overcome it. It's with the word of God. Wherever sin or confusion reigns, Satan has an open door. Wherever sin or confusion reigns, Satan has an open door. There are three main areas. in which all of us must be tested. Some of us in each in different areas to a greater or to a lesser degree. Number one, sexual immorality. We will be tested for our sexual immorality. Number two, the greed or love of money. And number three, pride or ego problems. King David, sexual immorality was his weakness. David yielded to the temptation of Bathsheba. He did not perish in the problem. God will make a way. He saw and he admitted his sin. He repented and was forgiven, but the harm had been done. Bathsheba's husband had been killed, and the first child that she bore, David, had died. Sexual sin is rampant in our world right now. Rampant in our world. Wages of sin are death. Are death. Sexual immorality causes death, not just to the to the two people 
who are involved in. It causes death of marriages, death of families. Sometimes death of another spouse or child. God expects us to overcome. There are times when we don't overcome, we fall short, as David did. I want you to notice, God did not take the kingship away from David. Why? Because David was quick to repent. God forgave him. God forgave him. Judas. Judas. His his sinful stronghold was greed. The love of money. Now, Matthew was an ex-tax collector. It would, it, you would have thought it would have been him that had an issue with the love of money. But that wasn't in his heart. But it was in the heart of Judas to the point that he was willing to, to forsake our Lord and Savior, to forsake his rabbi. See, he was following Yeshua too. He had sat and heard the the meaning of the parable. But what did James tell us? You have to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And Judas had not overcome the greed and the love of money that was in his heart. And when Pharisees dangled 30 pieces of silver. He was willing to forsake Yeshua. What are you willing to forsake God for? For the love of money in your in your life? What are you willing to forsake God for? For the love of money, for the greed in your life. You will be tempted in each of these areas. The last area is pride, an ego problem. Saul, King Saul, he had pride. He had an ego problem. I'm going to read First Samuel chapter 15. He erected a monument to himself after winning a battle. Look at me! I'm King Saul! He had disobeyed God's command to kill all the enemies and their cattle. Samuel the prophet confronted Saul, but he refused to admit his sin until God 
took away his kingship. Do you see the difference between him and David? David repented! King Saul didn't. He refused to repent. The pride. Verse chapter chapter 15, 1 Samuel. Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek. See, God doesn't forget things. Do you think God has, will forget what Hamas has done to Israel? No, he won't. No, he won't. And God did not forget for what Amalek had done to Israel. See, Israel is God's chosen people. Don't mess with Israel. Go now and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But say both, slay both man and woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. Destroy them all, slow. Or the UN would have a fight over that today, wouldn't they? And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telem, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get ye down from among the Amaleks, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Amaleks. And Saul smote the Amaleks from Halev until thou camest to Shur that's over against Egypt. And he took Aga, the king of the Amaleks, alive. Utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agai and the best, uh-oh, of the sheep and the best of the oxen and the fatling of the lambs and all that was good and would not and would not and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused, they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord to Samuel. You see, you can't hide from God. God saw what was going on. He said, hey, Samuel, I want to tell you something. What did God say to Samuel? It repenteth me that I've set Saul up to be king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried to the Lord all night. This wasn't something personal that Samuel had against Saul. He cried all night to God. He interceded. He's like, no. No, Saul. Samuel rose up early to meet Saul in the morning. 
And it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Saul had lied to himself. He said, hey, Samuel, I have done what the Lord told me to do. Pride had even blinded himself. Samuel said, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? I want you to remember back here in verse 3, it says to slay man, woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, ass. Destroy it all, Saul! Saul says, hey, Samuel, I did what God told me to do. Samuel says, well, why do I hear these animals? And Saul said, now this is typical, they. You ever had a child say, they, everybody else, they do it. Why did you disobey me? Because they do it. Saul said, they. They have brought them up from the Amalek, where the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. Oh, but it was for religious reasons, Samuel. It was to sacrifice. To the Lord God the rest we have utterly destroyed. Spirit of religion too, wasn't it? We're going to sacrifice these to the Lord God. Oh, I've done everything God told me to. We destroyed the rest of it. But God said destroy it all. And then Samuel said to Saul, And I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said to him, stay on. I'm telling you, the pride in Saul, the ego of Saul. We have the same ego in our lives. And Samuel said, when thou was little in thine own sight, was thou not made of the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amaleks and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil and did evil. It was evil. It was evil in the sight of the Lord. 
Do you understand that disobedience to God is evil in his sight? Ouch. But I want you to look at verse 20. I want you to look at the pride and the arrogancy of this man. And Saul said to Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I have gone the way which the Lord sent me. And I have brought Agai, the king of Amalek, and have undoubtedly destroyed the Amalek. But it was the people that took the spoil, the sheep, and the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Sacrifice unto the Lord God in Gilgal. Do you see the difference between him and David? Do you see the lack of repentance? The arrogancy, the pride. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the Lord, the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And that is a very popular verse. To obey is better than sacrifice. It's more important to obey the voice of the Lord than it is to to sacrifice to him. And sacrifice was everything in that day. And verse 23, for rebellion is a sin of rich witchcraft. Stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry. Do you understand the Bible says if you commit one sin, you've committed them all? Saul was being rebellious, and it was equivalent to witchcraft. And Saul was being stubborn. It was equivalent to iniquity and idolatry. Because thou has rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected thee from being king. Now I want you to see how Saul changed tunes now. Verse 24. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people. And I obeyed their voice. Saul was more concerned about the people's opinion than he was God. How many of us have been concerned about people's? Well, what will people say? What will people say? And God says, I told you to do such and such. Oh, God, what if they might make fun of me? I feared the people, and I obeyed their voice. That's all. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. 
Saul was not repentive until God had taken the kingdom away from him. Verse 26, and Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned about to go away, and he laid hold of the skirt of his mantle, and it ripped. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. You don't think that while he was chasing David those years trying to kill him, that this didn't ring in his ears? God has rent the kingdom from you, Saul, this day. And your neighbor who's better than you, he's given it to. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. And then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of the people. See, he's again trying to worry about the opinion of the people. And before Israel, turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. He's like, please honor me in front of the leadership. He was more concerned about his reputation than his relationship with God. Pride can cause us to perish. When our weakness or sin is exposed, we can either admit it or we can repent and be cleared and forgiven. Or we can hide and cling to our pride and fail. Satan will always ask you, what will they think of you? What will they think of you if you lay hands on someone who's sick? What will they think of you? You tighten your budget belt. Believe by faith to come to quarreling. What will they think of you? Turn to First Corinthians chapter ten, verse one through six. Paul warns here about love craving or a desire for anything other than God. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses and in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Think about that. It was Christ. And with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overturned in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things 
as they had lusted. It was to teach us not to lust after things. You see, God will, he can send an overabundance of what we crave for. He can send an overabundance of what we crave for. Idolatry is lust and desire when it comes to its full maturity. Verse 7. Neither be you idolaters as some of them, as is written, the people sit down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We're to love the Lord thy God with all of our mind, our heart, our entire being, with all of our might. We test God when we demand more than the adequate supply he's given us. We tempt him when we ask for signs or for him to prove his power. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. How many of us have murmured? Murmuring is the habit of complaining because of constant attitude of discontentment. We complain about circumstances. But murmuring is directed against God and is always a negative attitude. Do you see the glass half full or do you see it half empty? God, I only have half a glass. Thank you, God, I have half a glass. See, it's it's all about your attitude. Your attitude, your attitude, your attitude, your attitude. You complain. God, I just can't... I can't handle this. I just can't handle it. God says, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Quit murmuring. Use your faith. Verse 11. Now, these things happened to them. For example, they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world has come. That's you and me. This was so we can learn from their mistakes. Therefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed. Lest he fall. There has no temptation taken you such as common demand, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Temptation is never meant to break us, only to bring out us, in us, what needs to be exposed so we can be blessed. God wants the sin out of our lives. He wants the lust, the love of money, the pride. He wants that out of our lives. Temptation is never meant to break us. 
only to bring out in us what needs to be exposed so we can be blessed. So we can be blessed. So we can be blessed. Where are you lacking in blessing? Where is it that you're lacking in blessing? I want you to think about it. And I want you to look at the temptations you go through that would help you to overcome that sin that's holding back the blessing. That sin that's holding back God's blessing. What is it? Is it sexual immorality? Is it greed, the love of money, pride, an ego problem? What is it that's holding you back? God loves you. He made a way for you. And Yeshua even showed you how you can overcome. Find God's word that covers what it is that you always fall into. And begin to feed upon that word until it gets from your head to your heart. Until when the temptation comes, you can quote the word of God. Man will not live by bread alone, Satan, by every word. Every word of God. But we have to eat. Yeah, we do. And Yeshua needed to eat. But there was going to be food when he got down off the mountain. He didn't have to give up and serve Satan to get fed. And he knew that. He knew that. If you be the son of God, I'll give you all these kingdoms if you worship me. Thou shalt not worship any other God. If you be the Son of God, jump down off this pinnacle because the scripture says that the angels will take care of you. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Yeshua gave us the example. God said, you have not gone through anything while you're not able. Let's pray. Father, I come before you. I lift up those who are listening today. I lift up those who who are in the midst of temptations. And Father, I I pray for them that that this teaching today has been helpful to them that they can overcome with your word, Father. That they can recognize what it is that they're going through and why and how you are bringing this about 
so that you can, that they can overcome so you can bless them. Lift them up to you, Father, in Yeshua's name. Amen. With shalom, and remember that with God, all things are possible.